Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the 60th episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we have an episode all about getting promoted. I know a lot of you warriors out there are ambitious. You're out there working very hard in your jobs, and you'd like to one day be senior manager, director, VP, CEO, whatever it is to reach your full potential as amazing leaders out there. Believe me, I know. And that's why I'm excited to talk some principles with you on how you're going to get there. We're going to cover what to say to your boss, how to prepare yourself, and what to expect when making this change. My next guest is retired Colonel Carla D. Bass, who has an impressive 30-year history in the U.S. Air Force under her belt. According to her bio, she's worked with general officers, ambassadors, and congregational delegations on career-related things, including hundreds of personnel appraisals. For 15 years, Carla taught thousands of Air Force personnel how to write powerfully. Which brings me to today. Carla now composes written products for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence before they are sent to Congress and the White House. She also founded her company, Right to Influence, and wrote an award-winning book with the same name so that she can help professionals get hired and move up in their careers. And we're going to cover that book at the end of this episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, there is no one who I could bring on today who can do a better job teaching you how to get promoted. So it is my absolute honor to welcome our next guest, Carla D. Bass on our 60th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Thank you, Chris, for the opportunity to spend some time with you and your viewers. Absolutely. It's just it's just so great to have you on here today. And I want to kick into it. This is something I read on your website. You spoke about your most fulfilling assignment as the commander of the 324th Intelligence Squadron. I just think that would be such a great way to get acquainted with you. Uh, if you just would enlighten us with that story, I would love that. Sure. The uh, well, let me let me walk it back just a little bit more. When when my father, who was also Air Force Colonel, commissioned me as a second lieutenant, he gave me three pieces of advice. He said, first of all, focus on the job. Don't get caught up in office politics. The second piece was. Always, always take care of your people. They take care of you. And the third was keep your sense of humor. So those, those three pieces of wisdom I followed for all of those years. And it was the second one about taking care of your people that was so transformative at the 324th Intelligence Squadron. I was a squadron commander there. And when I arrived, it was the most losing squadron in the island for uh, quarterly and annual professional awards. Now, these were really important awards because they directly impacted uh, early promotions, uh, you know, career progression. You don't get promoted, you don't get the pay raise, you don't get the pay raise, you can't send the kid to college. And, and so there were some uh, Shakespearean tragedies going on. The reason they weren't getting promoted is not because these wonderful young men and women didn't deserve it. It's just mm. their bosses couldn't write winning packages, and that was the tragedy of it. So you, sure. could, you could be the world's most fabulous staff sergeant, but if your tech sergeant boss or your, your lieutenant can't tell your story, you lose. So I had learned from my previous assignment that, that I did, in fact, have, I call it a gift, I just didn't realize it at that point. So I took three days and I hid myself. I sequestered in a, in a beach cabin um, and I analyzed my writing. It's Carla, you do this, you know you can do it. 
How do you write like this? What lets you write like this? And how do you teach other people? So it was, it was out of that three-day introspection and analysis that I developed what I call my word sculpting techniques. That is part two of the second edition of Right to Influence. So resulting from that, that three-day uh, self-evaluation, I generated probably a 24-page, we're talking tactical handbook, and, and I taught my troops how to write. I turned that into a one-hour workshop, taught them how to write, and we began sweeping the awards. The, the first day, or the first wow. time that 324th took all of the awards, that was one of the, the pivotal moments actually in my life, because th- those, were, those were my family members. What I didn't, what I didn't anticipate is that the, the need out there was so vacuous, the other units came and said, can you teach us too? And, and that led to my, wherever I went subsequently, I ended up teaching the word sculpting um, for the next 15 years to thousands of people. And that was before wow. Twitter and Facebook and, and <laughs> the, uh, the erosion of English classes in our academic institutions. So it, it's more valuable now than it was even back then. But so not not only did did I learn that powerful writing changes lives, that's where I developed that battle cry, and I was able to I was able to uh, to teach folks that that uh, promulgated changes in all sorts of people's lives, but it changed mine too. Absolutely incredible to hear that story, and I'm just so honored to have you on here because I'm sure a lot of those principles that you taught your troops are going to come to resurface and um, absolutely applicable to anyone. I want to talk about something that I think you touched upon there for a second, and you mentioned this in your tips for getting promoted. Um, It's this concept of excelling in your job, which I don't think that can be overstated. Um, why, in your opinion, is it so important to, first of all, make sure that you already are an above-average performer? Well, the, the whole name of the game here is to stand out from the crowd. And the, the fundamental step, the fundamental hurdle that everybody has to do to achieve that goal is to ace the job performance. If, if you approach a job as just enough to get by or good enough for government work, as a cliche went, you are putting yourself in the middle of the pack or at the end of the pack. You have to excel in the job performance. And then that's only the first step. But that's that's the fundamental. If you don't if you don't ace the job performance, then, you know, you're, you're kind of lost in the shuffle. I don't want anyone to be entitled by listening to this episode saying like, I'm ready for promotion. It's like, no, you have to earn it. You have to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward and performing, which is the total way of the career warrior here. So launching into the heart of the podcast, I'll have a few questions here that I think are going to be great for promotions. But first, I want to talk a little bit about mechanics of how to ask for a promotion. I believe that oftentimes promotions don't jump out of the blue sky and we need to actually get these conversations started with our bosses. What do you think are some great ways to prepare for that meeting with our boss to get that promotion? Sure. First of all, you need to uh, you need to baseline the boss's expectations. So I would I would look back at the previous assessment and and assuming that there is some kind of a a discussion that you and the boss had about your future development and improvement areas is compare what those were identified in the previous assessment and then indicate how it is that you've improved in those very specific areas. Sure. And that actually is, is setting the baseline. The, the next step then is examining that baseline, conduct an honest self-appraisal. Be honest and be objective. This is not the time to be bashful. This is not the time to exaggerate because the boss will recognize that. <laughs> 
But yes. identify examples of earned accolades, whether it's compliments from clients or supervisors or, or other peers. And we'll talk about documenting those so that you don't lose them in the process. And put forward any demonstrated examples of initiative that you've taken or flexibility that you've shown in getting the job done, whether it's coming in early, staying late, canceling leave to get something done. Have you extended yourself in the flexibility to meet the mission and, and document that because you deserve credit for that. Uh, examples of where you've been a team player, uh, doing something that benefits others, not necessarily yourself or even your own particular job. Those are also uh, um, highly valued attributes. And then finally, any examples of leadership. And it could be something as small as leading a team of one or two people. I think some people may get tripped up, nervous, or maybe lack confidence. But um, what's really kind of the emotional side that we need to, to play here? Well, the answer is if, if you're hesitant about writing some of these, these positive things about yourself, I advise folks, pretend that you're not writing about yourself Pretend that you are trying to get a very deserving subordinate promoted. You would have mm. you would have no hesitation at all if you had this this super troop, this this young man or woman who deserves to get promoted. Pretend that you're writing about somebody else. Exactly. I think that's a great way to do it. That's why oftentimes I'll hear people say, um, I can't write my own resume, but I can easily write the resumes of other people. Uh, it's, it's the same principle because oftentimes we do feel uncomfortable or we feel like we're bragging. So thanks for bringing that up. And I think it's important to really, really have to let go of the ego here and, and let go of the self-consciousness. And this is just it's, it's part of the business here. Well, so. It's being factual. It's being objective. It's telling how did you help the business succeed? 100%. So let's delve into the input for performance review here. In our conversation earlier, we talked about some really important materials to get ready in our package. So the resume, the interview, um, let's kind of dive deeper from there. Identify your accomplishments and, and do so in specific detail. Keep a, a job resume. Many organizations have weekly activity reports. So I am a huge proponent of, of submitting to those things for two reasons. One, it helps, it helps the overall organization uh, capture what it as an entity has accomplished. And then two, for, for you personally, it helps you capture as it has, uh, has occurred and the significance of it. And, uh, and I also emphasize hit hard on the impact and the details. So, for example, you, you led a five-person team for a six-week study that identified six recommendations to the CEO. The CEO accepted all of them and, oh, by the way, saved the, country, uh, the company $850,000. That's the difference that details make, and it's a difference between one-dimensional and two-dimensional. I think oftentimes these recruiters and hiring decision makers are looking for ways that these candidates can benefit them. It's not always about the degrees. It's not always about the specific experiences, but it's more about being value oriented or action oriented and showing that detail, like you said. Detail adds depth, dimension, and contour to uh, to any story. And, and all of these are stories that you're, you're telling a story, whether you're writing an email, a memo to Congress or a resume, but, but details such as that provides the, the reader or the audience a mental yardstick to actually understand what it is you're trying to say. 
without that, they're kind of floating around in space and they simply can't grasp what, what the full significance of what you're trying to explain. Exactly. So conversely, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes people are making within their resumes? Well, I mean, I, well there's so many. There, there really are. My golly. Here, look, yeah. I, I've got a sample. I'm going to re- quickly read to you um, a, a couple things. These, these bullets all came from one resume. So the, the, the lesson one needs to take away is the resume, the bullets need to flow. If you're going to start with a verb, start all of them with verbs. If you start them all with verbs, make sure they're all in the same tense. So list, listen to this and, and hear how it catches like a, a car engine trying to get between first and second gear. Sure. Co-lead subject matter expert responsible for solely responsible for, provide coordination, responsible for, develop plans and schedules, responsible for, coordinates, monitor project, provides analysis, develop and maintain, provide support, responsible for. Okay, so first of all, you've got the snagginess that that simply doesn't flow. That's There's no flow. Right. Second mistake is use hard-hitting action verbs. All those things I just read to you say nothing about what the individual accomplished. The fact that you're responsible for it doesn't mean that you actually did it. Uh, there, there have got to be like implemented, uh, managed, led, initiated, uh, set the benchmark. There's all sorts of hard-hitting action verbs that, that you need to use in these things. Um, and then another thought is the, the opening two lines on a resume, those are, those are very critical. That's where, that's where yes. you need to explain to the reader what it is that you bring to the company. This is not about how great I am. This is how I can benefit you. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that, especially because it is at the very top of the resume. And the sad truth is if you have long resumes, even if you have a lot of experience, you know, most of the attention and energy from these decision makers is going to be spent on the first page, but not only the first page, but at the very top of the resume. And so your call out about making sure that the summary is impactful, uh, I think I don't think that can be overstated as well. I want to make sure we have time to cover some other really important principles here. But first, this I think is key, and you mentioned this to me in our earlier conversation, but it's the idea of keeping a job diary. It's the idea of making sure to continuously document what we're doing as we're doing it rather than waiting till the day we want a promotion and having to scramble all of a sudden to come up with your accomplishments. But anything you want to add to the idea of documenting, um, do you have any practical tips on how people can actually um, keep track of what they're doing? Oh, sure. If if your organization does not have a weekly activity report, if there's not, not that external catalyst, do it yourself. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically yes. an operational diary, either at the end of the work week or at the beginning of the, the next, although I would go for the end of the work week because over the weekend people forget everything. Um, <laughs> just Just make a note of what did you do? What was the impact? Include the details and then file that away, whether it's an email file or, or however you want to record it. But 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 do it religiously. And so that when it comes to the, the boss comes and says, OK, I have to do your annual appraisal because I, nobody <laughs> likes doing that. And you say, OK, you've got all the information that helps from an organizational perspective also, because the, there is there is one instance where I was 
overseer of the process, writing the weekly activity reports that went from one, one part of the organization up to the director of national intelligence himself. And there were five or six key projects that we were running in which Congress was interested. And because I kept a running tally of, of, of the progress that we were making in each one of those projects, the, the day that Congress came and said, oh, by the way, in 48 hours, we want to have an update on, on the progress you've made in the last six months. I had all that information at my fingertips. Beautiful. That is so beautiful. And it's a, such a sad story because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of job seekers. And in the phone consultation, I'll ask them, you know, what did you do for this and this company? Because I'm trying to flesh the resume out. And they'll say something like, you know, my company never really kept track of these things or um, I my in my job. It's not that easy to keep track of results and things like that. Not, and, not the company's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. And I'm glad we got to slip that in there. Carla, some other elements of getting a promotion. And I want to delve a little bit deeper here. I would love to talk about volunteering to chair projects. Um, you say the larger, the better. Why do you think that actually might help you to get uh, a promotion? Again, remembering the backdrop to this entire conversation is to stand out from the crowd. So volunteering to chair projects provides you an additional platform. The larger, the better, the larger the viewing audience. So, um, for example, if, if you move into a new organization and they have huge social functions like the military does, the dining in, dining out, five, six hundred people, volunteer to chair that one. It, it lets you demonstrate leadership skills. It, it automatically demonstrates your initiative in stepping up to something that you don't have to do. It, uh, it gains recognitions from, recognition from superiors. Uh, so it's all about visibility and demonstrating initiative. Definitely. And... You can't just wait for projects to drop out of the blue sky and or just to get assigned these things like you have to be proactive. You have to seek these things out. And so that's why I love the idea of volunteerism. So and, it, you know, it thanks. doesn't have to mm -hmm. be a, a social project. If there if there is a major document or a major project underway, uh, you can either volunteer to take the whole thing as as chairman or or uh, maybe chair a subsection of it. But but get involved in something that's got uh significance to the company and and visibility in your guide you also talk about strategizing your way to success you mentioned prioritize your message prior to speaking with your boss or senior leaders or when interviewing for a job think elevator speech um so i want to talk about kind of these three points that you're conveying because you already spoke a little bit earlier about the kind of setting the context for your boss and preparing your boss to ask, how can people come up with their elevator pitch, especially within five minutes or less? It seems like not a lot of time. Well, if you're set, if you're set for a meeting with the boss, you know, the, the subject is already established so you know what the conversation is going to be. Uh, you need to have your thoughts prioritized before you walk into that room. So if something happens and, and your 15 minutes, by whatever reason, gets cut down to five, what what is the most important information you have to convey in that five minutes when you no longer have the 15? Oh, bringing me back to an interview I had once with a large corporation, and they told me that all of a sudden that the interview was had to be cut short and I, <laughs> I was scrambling to think how I can possibly um, condense my answers and still have them be as value oriented and action packed but you are so right because you never know and people should be more concise in general I think 
as short as possible um, is is usually better. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's a combination of as short and possible, and it's also triaging the messages. There, mm-hmm. there was one instance. This is back in in Desert Storm, so it's kind of an old story. But but a colleague um, was was briefing. Oh, he's some four star general, and the the briefing was supposed to have been thirty minutes. The general had to had to leave. He says, "I'm sorry, I've only got three or four minutes. What's the main point of your briefing?" The individual said, "I'm sorry, sir, I don't know how to do that. I can only give it to you as the full thirty minutes." A really good point and a good exercise. I hope everyone can do listening to this if they're in the stage of getting ready for that promotion or asking. Cool. Another thing you mentioned, which I had personally never thought of, is submitting subordinates for awards, taking care of your people. It all circles back to what you said earlier at the beginning of the podcast. Why is this important and how can this lead to a future promotion? It's important, one, because it's the right thing to do. We, we should all be posturing the generations coming up behind us to succeed. So that is just the right thing to do. Yes. Second, it's the hallmark of a good leader. Third, the everybody on your team and even parallel teams will recognize that you take these actions. So it, it's a tremendous morale booster. And because it all circles back to leadership, what happens very often is even if these these wonderful people do uh, promote their their or submit their subordinates for awards, they neglect to take credit for that on their own inputs for their own appraisals. Sure. So you know it, it's a bona fide it's a bona fide accolade for you that if you submitted your folks and they were selected for award A, award B, early advancement, early promotion. Claim credit for that because that's a solid testimonial to your leadership skills. You're applying for these leadership positions, you know, for crying out loud. You need to show that you're working within a team. So I think the more you can get your team involved, I, I, I absolutely agree with. I think that's that's a really good point. My last question in the heart of the podcast is what is the biggest mistake professionals make when they're trying to get promoted within their company? They make their promotion pitch all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about how you can benefit the company. So, for example, the Air Force, when, when the Air Force, well, probably all the military services, when, when they select people for promotion, it's not done as a pat on the head for a job well done. It's because the job well done has indicated future um, uh, leadership potential. So you're being promoted based on potential, not for what you've done. So when you go in looking for a promotion, don't make this about me, I, 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 I. It's this is this is what I can do. This is how I can further benefit. You give me, uh, elevate me in my position of authority, and I can do so much more. And here's how to help the company. That's That's the pitch. Carla Bass, you've been an excellent guest so far, and I can't thank you enough for coming on our podcast Before we talk about right to influence, I wanted to know if you have any final words of advice for those looking for a promotion. When you're submitting your input for appraisals, consider subliminal words such as chosen for, named as, selected by, uh, agency-wide, given responsibility for my star project. Those are very subtle bell ringers. Uh, avoid comments that apply to everybody. I see this a lot in resumes also, uh, such as pays attention to detail. Those are items that everyone expects to be in your toolkit. 
if I, you're supposed to bring that to me. So don't waste space sure. either in your resume or in your input to your own appraisal claiming that because one, you've just lost valuable space. And, and two, you've, you've pretty much uh, hurt your own credibility. Everybody is supposed to do that. And then the third thought there is triage your accomplishments. You, you know, we, we talked about the, the job diary. Uh, once, once the period is done and, and you're now looking to write the appraisal, triage that, not chronologically, but based on impact. Uh, there are some stories that are going to fall above the cut line. A lot of them are going to fall below the cut line. So based on, on visibility, on impact, uh, that's, that's how you triage it. Fantastic. Well, I cannot thank you enough for the answers you've given during this episode. I think we are going to inspire some people to get their hack together and get ready for that promotion because that's that's really the goal here. And you've been inspiring for me even. Now I want to hear about Right to Influence. I know your second edition came out recently, and I'm sure listeners would love to hear more. Tell me about this book. Sure. The uh, The first book came out in uh, January 2017. It won four awards and just a potload of accolades from the military, from academia, from industry. Uh, so based on the first book, I taught, uh, I've taught workshops now solidly for two years to Department of Interior, to corporations, to libraries, to students. And all of those workshops I've turned into new material and incorporated those in the second edition. So the second edition now has a, a new chapter on here's how you frame a report, a, a new chapter, psychology of the catch, learn, knowing your audience. That's the, the cardinal rule for anything. Yes. Marketing, sales, doesn't matter what it is. Got to know the audience and write to mm -hmm. them from their perspective. There's mm -hmm. also new chapters in there about grants, writing grants, uh, writing essays for college applications. Here's how you write the elevator speech. And that's in addition to the existing chapters on here's how to do resumes, here's one on email, and here's how you write presentations. And then the, the last two additions to this thing, I have now included what I call my Baker's Dozen collection. 13 tips each on here's how you do uh, resumes, 13 tips for inputs for your appraisal, for reports, for email, and there are a couple others. And then the Dirty Dozen, the, the, the most common errors in professional writing. So... The book is just chock full with new material based on all the workshops that I've taught for the last two years. Great. Well, I've done my digging. I know about Carla. She has a very impressive background working with people on how to improve their communication, especially job seekers. And I just was really impressed by her website. And what I'll do for all of you listeners who are jogging, riding in your car, whatever it may be, is I'm going to drop the website in the description link below so you can go check that out. Um, look at what Carla does. I think you will be fascinated by it. So we talked about echoes and uh, and strategizing your way to success and so forth. The the three echoes that I would like to leave behind here with you and thank you again for the platform. One, powerful writing changes lives. Two, powerful writing is the lifeblood for successful organizations. And three, right to inf influence teaches you how to write powerfully. When I arrived at the 694th Intelligence Squadron, I was responsible for 2,800 men and women. These were all the Air Force folks in the National Security Agency. The dining out is a, an Air Force function where the military member and spouses can attend. 
That particular year, uh, a paltry 120 people attended this Air Force birthday ball. The, mm -hmm. the challenge was that when, when you work in that large civilian agency, trying to maintain esprit de corps is very, very difficult. So as soon as the gavel went down, that evening was concluded. I vowed next year we will have a showstopper event. I will have the max capacity and a waiting list. The way to do that, though, is I needed a bell ringer guest speaker. So, you know, if you can imagine a triangle, the 694th commander is at the base of the triangle. I wanted to invite the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who is the tip of the triangle. Before I did that, I had to get General Hayden's permission. He was then the director of the National Security Agency, and he knew me. He said, okay, Carla, go for it. So I word sculpted a, a one-page letter to General Shelton. I explained to him that I was trying to reinvigorate the Air Force's esprit de corps. He understood the challenges at NSA. So, I mean, I put my heart into that one-page letter. Every single word counted and then I rolled it in, in camouflage netting. I had a, a little flag, American flag on a stick that my then second grade daughter had coincidentally provided the day before. I crammed that flag and the stick into the camouflage netting. That was delivered as the invitation to General Shelton. He, he accepted. I was just astonished. Uh, we end up having 600 attendees, and indeed we had the waiting list, and it, it was a memorable, it was a memorable event. I had balsam or balsam uh, wood airplanes, we had styrofoam missiles, it was a joint event. Wow. But, but the, the point is, uh, powerful writing also lets you work the occasional miracle, and that simply <laughs> would not have occurred, one, if you didn't have a little bit of uh, risk-taking involved, but two, if you couldn't tell that compelling story. Carla, thank you so much for coming on here today, and I can't thank you enough for your awesome answers and, um, and just being here today, so thanks. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Perfect. Well, this was Carla D. Bass, retired colonel of the U.S. Air Force, talking about how we can get promoted here. And this is such an important principle as career warriors, we have to put our best foot forward. We can't just look good on the surface. We can't just have a solid resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, but it has to be done from the inside out. Um, are you really giving your best? And I think that this is a really good person and a good example to look for to do these types of things. So I would encourage everyone who is not a subscriber yet to go ahead and click that subscribe button. We have some amazing content coming up related and who knows, we may have Carla back on one day. If you liked her, then I would highly recommend having a subscription going. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on our 60th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. I will see you next week. And for more on your job search, make sure to check out letseatgrandma.com. That's where you can find our blog, where we post the podcast show notes and so many more articles that will help you in your job search. You can also check out our resume services if you are interested in getting your resume professionally reworked. And please make sure to show us some love by jumping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating. The support from my fellow warriors will show the world how great this podcast is and help other people in their job search. Pay it forward. Thanks, guys, for being true warriors, and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.